good to see all of you. I'm so glad you're here today. I am going to, oh, I want to make an announcement quick. We have our first youth gathering this evening, and we are so excited. I think we have almost 20 youth registered, so which is very, very, it's just the start of what God's about to do. I do have to make an announcement, though, because I know right now the youth ministry is very attractive for the young adults to want to be a part of, and I want to encourage you that we are going to be launching a young adults ministry very shortly which is awesome. So we are asking if you have not gone through the leadership training and been asked by the leadership yet to be a part of the youth ministry, we're asking you just to hold off before you get involved. Everybody say boo. I know that doesn't sound like good news, but you know, the Bible says to know those who labor among you. And it's so important that we know who's going to be around our young people. Amen. We want to keep them safe, but we also want to keep you safe. And so we're not saying, no, you can't be involved. We are going to need hundreds of workers eventually. We just ask you to go through the protocol of the church, which is talking to leadership, going through the welcome home class, learning more about us. It's just so important that we do that. Amen. And, you know, when you put 19-year-olds with 12-year-olds, we have problems. And honestly, it only takes an accusation, and you are in trouble. So we're trying to save, make you safe also. Amen? So can we honor that? I just ask that we honor that. And I promise you, just like I said, we're bringing youth directors. I, will, I am bringing you a young adult's ministry that is coming, okay? So let's continue to lift that up in prayer. But I'm ready to receive. Are you ready to receive the word today? I'm definitely ready to give the word. And then we're going to go have a good time together and just eat some hot dogs and celebrate our liberty. Amen? I'm going to do part two of In the House. I started it last week. And if you missed last Sunday's message, please do me a favor, jump online and take 40 minutes of your time and listen to that teaching. Because it is so important of where the direction of this church is going and really what the Lord has put in my heart for this next generation. And not just the young people, but also our church. Um, I'm so excited because our church is packed today, which means we're going to put down more chairs next Sunday and make room for more people. And it won't be long, we'll be going to two services. And so God is doing something very, very special in our house. And so, um, so this message of in the house is not just about the young people, which is a big part of it, but about the importance of all of us making the house of God priority in the time that we're living in. Amen. And I can't go back and teach last week, but I believe it was very prophetic for the season of the, of the church of Jesus Christ and also our church. But uh, as I go into part two, I want to go back to two points that I made last week, and then we're going to build on and go into part two today. So the first point that I brought up last week was this. A lot of things will try to get your attention. I mean, no, that's true. But the salvation of your family needs to be priority. There's going to be a lot of busy noise going on, a lot of distractions, a lot of things that wants to steal your time and pull you out of the house of God. But your priority of the family is important right now. Making sure if you have littles, get them in the house of the Lord. Get them involved in the youth program. Get them involved with the children's program, amen. Uh, adults, getting in the house of God because we need each other like never before. We are living in a time in the world, and you know, as a pastor, I have a little bit of a prophetic sound that the Holy Spirit will come out of me. And I just call it, it's a sound. And, and I really ask that you listen to the prophetic sound when it comes out of me because that's something that God is trying to speak to his church. And there's a sound of God saying, we need to be in the house of the Lord more than ever before. 
not for attendance purposes, but we need to gather because in the days that are coming on the earth, they're going to be hard and they're going to be challenging. Now, the church will arise, but we need each other's encouragement. We need each other's support. We need accountability. We need to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And the enemy wants more than ever to pull people out of the house of God so that they are sitting alone somewhere and not doing what God's called them to do and actually derailing them out of their purposes and their destinies, amen, or losing their way in the kingdom of God entirely, which is really the plan of the enemy. I won't go on that too much because I'll just get too excited again, but point two was this. The key to making it through hard times is to make sure you and your family are in the protection of the house. Let's make this such a priority that you are under the protection of the house of God. Amen. There are going to be a million things that are going to come your way to keep you away from the house of the Lord. And you have to make an intention to say, we're going to get to the house of the Lord. If we're going to fight all the way there, if I have to put the clothes on you yourself, whatever it takes, we are going to make sure that we are in the house of the Lord and making that intention. Amen. So we're going to go on today where I pick up from where I left off there. And we were talking about Rahab and how Rahab hid the spies and, and protected them. And she asked a request of these spies. And earlier in the verses, it said that we have heard about your God. And we have trembled with fear. And I talked last week about this is what the church of Jesus needs to look like. The world needs to see the church and tremble in fear. They need to say that God that they serve, we're afraid of. We want to bow our knee. We want to humble ourselves. We want to get saved. But unfortunately right now, the world is not afraid of the church because the church has blurred to what the world looks like. And we're, we're afraid to stand up for truth. We know what truth is, but we're afraid to stand up for truth. I could even feel through the prayer this morning that there was probably a couple things that you're like, oh, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. And the reason is, is because media in the world is in your face every day, all day long. But we gather together as a community and you hear a little glimpse of the truth of God's word. You're like, oh, I don't like that. It's because our heart and our mind is full of what the world has to say instead of full of what the word has to say. And if the church will get to the place where we are so full of God's word that when we hear something contrary to the word, we'll be like, ah, I don't like that. We have to flip the switch, don't we? We don't care what the world has to say. I don't care what the world thinks about our lives and how we run our lives in morality and righteousness. I care what God says about my life, amen, and my children's life and my family's life. Say, my family. Your family is important right now, especially if you're raising little ones, but also your, your aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody. The family unit is so important that God wants us to come together. Why? Because there is an enemy out to steal, kill, and to destroy right now. And yeah, is the enemy defeated? Absolutely. But we better take our stance of authority or he'll continue to whittle his way in through the blurred lines of the church. I'm going to tell you this is going to be a church that's going to be clear with the word of God. We will be clear with what the word says. Why? Because I am not accountable to what the government or school teachers or society says. I'm accountable to what God says over the word and over this church. Amen. And we will speak the church. And it may not be popular, and it may, we may get some controversy, but you know what? I don't care. Because God's word will prevail. God's word will, will stand, and it will stand the test of time. Amen? Good times. Say good times are coming. 
So let's go back to Rahab where we picked off. Let's work at, look at verse 15. It says, so she made a promise and said, please protect my family. And so in verse 15, oh, excuse me, before that, the, she told, the spies told her, put a red scarlet rope out of your window and get everybody in the house. Say, in the house. Put out the red scarlet. So what did she do? She put out the red scarlet thread. What does this represent? The blood of Jesus. Cover your house in the blood of Jesus. Cover your children in the blood of Jesus. And there's a covenant through the blood that in that covenant protection, God will protect your family. He will protect your children. Amen. But we have a little part to play in that protection also. So let's see. She follows up in verse 17. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless we enter the land. You have tied the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers, and all your family into to the house where is the covenant going to stand for protection in the house that's covered by the blood of the lamb see there's protection in the house I'm not just talking about children I'm talking about us believers in Christ Jesus we come into the house because there's protection we don't come into the house because I want a lot of numbers and stats I don't, I don't need to have a roster of 1,000 people, but 999 don't know the kingdom of God. That's not what I'm trying to do. But we got to get in the house where salvation is taking place, where they're making the Lord the lordship of their life and not just being saved by fire and hell, but by salvation in the kingdom of Christ Jesus, willing to lay down the works of the flesh, laying the light, lay down the behaviors that the Holy Spirit's trying to get a hold of in this hour. He said, get him in the house. We have to make sure that this hour we are getting people that we love in the house. And you might have children that's grown, and that's okay. But we have a responsibility to go to this city, to the surrounding neighborhoods, and get them in the house. Our job is not done because we've raised our children. It's only just begun. Because you have the battle scars. You have the walk of faith. You have the stories and the testimonies that this next generation coming into the kingdom needs to hear. It's important for all of us to say, I need to be in the house so those that are coming by the Holy Spirit, we can be a voice of light and hope too. Amen? All right, let's keep going. Verse 19, if any of them go outside your house into the streets, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell me, but if you tell what we're doing, we'll be released from the oath you made us. The last verse, I don't think I gave Titus, but in 21, she said, agreed. She said, I agree, let it be as you say. And so she went on an assignment to gather everybody that she knew into her house. And we ended last week at the place where God likes to go into places that are not acceptable. Disqualified people's house. Rahab was disqualified. She was a prostitute. She had a prostitution ring. But God loves to go to disqualified people. Because when they get a hold of God, they are on fire for God. When they get a fear of God, nothing can stop them. I listened to this teaching of John Bevere uh, a couple days ago. And he was sharing about a, a good man of God that fell into immorality and adultery on his wife. And, and had lost everything. And I think he was put in jail for tax fraud. And I mean, it was bad. And so John Bevere went into the prison cell. And he said, I have to ask you, at what point did you stop falling in love with God? 
where did you lose your love for God that you could get to where you're at? And he said this. He said, Pastor, I never lost my love for God. I lost my fear of God. And I think that's where people are today. They're out there. They haven't stopped loving. You said, do you love God? I love God, but we've lost our fear of God. I don't mean afraid and tremble because he's going to do harm. But just like they were afraid, God's judgment is coming. Listen, God's judgment is coming to this nation and to America, a righteous judgment to separate evil from good, to let his power shine. And we've got to be in the house with the righteous fear of God. I want to be in the right place at the right time, protected by the blood of Jesus. And I want to make sure my aunts and my uncles are in a house. If not this one, some good house that's preaching the truth. Amen. And if it's not our family, there are neighbors here. There are families. There are children. There are teenagers in a 40-mile radius that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That I believe the Lord has given this church a 40-mile radius to reach the city. Amen. So what happened? She began to do that. I believe, the Lord spoke to me this week, that God is bringing your family members back to Christ. And I want you to grab that with the gift of faith today. Your children are coming back to Jesus. They're going to have a, born, a, a, a fresh revelation of who Christ is. Family members, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, I'm going to prophesy there are family members that you didn't even know knew Jesus. And they're going to have an encounter with God. And they're going to come back and tell you, I gave Jesus my life 15 years ago, but I'm coming back to him today. God is calling the prodigal sons and daughters home. I want you to receive that right now. Let's lift up our hands and pray. Father, we call all the prodigal sons and daughters, God, those that have lost their way, those that have been wounded, Father God, those that have been abused in the name of Jesus, those that have been addicted, Father God, we call them back to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That God, your word says that when we are saved, our entire household shall be saved. And we stand on that covenant and we decree it a thing. Nothing can stop it. No devil in hell can have our family, but they will come back home in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Woo! Something you have to see that she did rescue her family members, but what you have to see is they surrendered. Do you know, in following Christ, especially in this hour, we have to surrender our flesh. We don't want to get in the house sometimes. I don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else. But the Bible says to crucify your flesh daily. Daily. That means there's going to be destruction. But God says, get yourself into the house. You have to make a conscious decision. Something I've learned is God cannot, I, I can't be everywhere for where your heart is. So you have to get to a place in your walk with God is let the Holy Spirit convict your heart. Be accountable to where your heart is in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And say, what is it in me that keeps me out of the house? What keeps me from God's people, from commitment and relationships and community? Because there's something there that God wants to get out of you. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe the greatest revival is coming that the world has ever seen. I'm telling you. I had a friend text me today, uh, yeah, I think it was today, and uh, she said, man, God's coming soon. The end time's here. I just know it. God's coming soon. And I'm like, no, he's coming. And I'm not saying it's not soon, but before he comes, there's a great revival. Yeah. 
There is an awakening of the world and an influx to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The church is not going to go down low. We're going to go high. We're going to go with God being glorified. Amen. This is the time of the church, and that's why I'm saying hear the call of the Holy Spirit. It's not a time to do what we always did. It's not a time like 2020 to sit back, chill with our feet up, relax. That was a time, but that's over. That was a distraction. God says it's time to get your work boots on. Time to get your work clothes on, get your hat on, and let's do something for Jesus. Let's win people to Jesus. Let's do what it takes to reach this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever it takes, amen. Why? Because she knew the walls were about to come down. She knew destruction was going to come. She got a word from God. And she had to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Get in the house. Amen. And there's seasons that come in our life that we feel weak and we feel like a failure. Nobody's ever felt like that in this room, I know. (laughs) There's seasons where we doubt God. We feel like God's so far away. Have you ever had a big question mark in your relationship with God? What is going on, God? Where are you? It's just like the fire of God is gone. And and when those seasons begin to happen, the enemy uses that as a way to get you out of the house. Get you out of covenant relationships. Get you out of places where your, your hands and your feet are called to serve and to build the kingdom of God. But God says, I've provided a place of safety for you. A place of protection for you when you are in the house. Amen. Can you imagine what it looked like to Rahab to rally all of her family into the house? And I imagine maybe the first couple, maybe the first week or two, everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to get in the house of protection. I'm going to get there. And then all of a sudden, can you imagine living with all your family in one house? Like I said last week, y'all can't even make it through Thanksgiving together. So what begins to happen? Yes, let's build the church. Let's do something for Jesus. I love faith builders, and we all get in the house together. And then what happens? Okay, God, what's going on? Where are you at, God? And all of a sudden, disgruntles begin to happen. Unhappiness begins to happen. And that urge to go, I don't want to do this anymore. That urge, I don't want to be here anymore. Wonder what's going over at Susie's house, because I haven't been there for a minute. Her house sounds happy over there. That house looks like something's going on. The devil's hard at work right now. Get people misplaced. Are there a lot of other great churches? Yes. Praise God. And hopefully many more are coming up. But where has God called you? Where is your place? God said, be rooted in the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord. It's like a marriage. Oh, I've been in this marriage 15 years. What else is out there? It ain't like it used to be. They, that looks good over there. No, we're, you're committed. You're in a relationship. We're in the house. We're going to be safe and we're going to do something for Jesus. Amen. doesn't mean God can't move people around. Hear me in the spirit. It's all heart issues, amen, because God does. We have some beautiful transplants, and I rejoice over that. So let's continue to go. So here you got a brother on the couch. He's like, this is dumb, Rahab. 
Dad's sleeping on the floor. I'm done sleeping on the floor, right? I'm unhappy. I don't want to do this anymore. But she had to convince them that it was important to stay in the house when the walls come down. Because I've covered our home in the blood of Jesus, and you don't know if Susie's house has the same covenant, so you better stay in the house where you know the blood of Jesus has been applied. Because when it all comes down, we're going to go, thank you, Pastor Barb. Thank you for preaching truth. Thank you for teaching the word of God. Thank you for preaching the anointing in the Holy Spirit, because we are in a safe house. We're not a perfect house. We're close. No, I'm just kidding. My, my little halo just tilted a second. I think we have a great church, but I should think that. Amen. <laughs> so stay in the house. Amen. Be committed on Sundays. I don't take vacations. You know, you're not listening to me legalistically. But I'm saying come in and come ready. Come in ready to worship. Come in and ready to meet someone new. Come in and give resources to the youth ministry because they are expensive, just so you know. But we're going to do whatever it takes to get them where they need to be in Jesus. Pass them the baton of faith. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at this quick. I don't have a lot of time. We're going to move on to Noah. In Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says this. By faith, Noah was warned. Say warned. warned. About things not yet seen. Ooh, what does that sound like? Rahab. Warned about things not yet seen. What am I saying this morning? I'm warning you of things not seen. You can hear me or not. You can hear the Holy Spirit or not. Noah, what did it say? He had he heard, warned by things not yet seen, and he had holy fear. Holy fear, right? The fear of God. Built an ark to save his family. Why are we building the ark? To save families. To save marriages. To save young people, to rip them out of the grip of witchcraft and, and discouragement and places causing them to lose their identity. We have to build the church for the place of the world to come. That means we need to be busy. But what I love, and this is my point this morning, is that he got involved. Moses, Noah built the ark, but guess what? He got his family involved in the work of the ark. There's no better place for your family to be than the house of the Lord doing things for God together. Serving in the house of the Lord with your children. There was many distractions for Noah's kids. There was many reasons why they're like, oh, dad, don't make us do this again. It's so embarrassing. They're making fun of us. 120 years, he said, we're going to build the ark because this is going to be a place of protection for the future. And if nobody else comes with us, we're going to build this ark as a family. And we're going to be busy doing the work together. You can do a lot of things with your family, and they're fun. But I'm going to tell you, there is nothing like building the house of God with your family. Your children should see you serving God, showing up and serving God and making sacrifices. Your example will be an example to them. Every morning on Sunday morning, I have this tradition. I turn it, and even when the girls live with me, they can tell you it's the truth. I turned on Christian TV every, every Sunday morning. I turned on a preacher. And I've done that my whole adult life. And I was thinking today, and I look back, and I'm like, you know what? My mom did that every Sunday morning when I got ready since I was five years old. 
She had a TV in her bedroom, getting ready in the bathroom, and she watched Christian TV. It wasn't even something she had to tell me to do. Their example, working and serving God, led me to follow the same example. What are we doing in our homes that is leading our children to the work of the Lord? And listen, I don't have my own birth children, but I got a, a, a hammer and a nail in each hand. And I'm ready to do something for Jesus, for the children out there who need a place of safety. I'm willing to do it for marriages, and I ain't even married. We got to do something. It's not about having children. It's about doing something with the work of the Lord. What are you, what are you doing for Jesus? I'm going to close my eyes. What are you doing in the house of the Lord? Where can you serve to help build the kingdom of God? This church is called to have a thousand. We know it's coming. There's no doubt in my mind. We need laborers. There's nothing like I'll see. Matter of fact, I have to give a shout out to Abel. I don't think he's even in the room. This guy showed up and put all kinds of plants in the back of the church, put in a whole new water system, and many times he's brought his son with him to work. And I don't even know if he gets paid, but I paid him. I'm like, you're going to get some money, sweetheart, because I was so proud of him. But there's just something. I see Matthias is sending me pictures. He built the beautiful hot dog stand. He had family from out of town, and he put them all to work. You're going to paint. You're going you're gonna to build. You're going to carry. Put them to work. What children need to see that. They need to see the sacrifice. Not, oh, we got to do this for Jesus. Ugh. We got to show up one more time. We got to serve one more. Yes, make it fun. Kids love that. You give to God, tell our kids, guess what? We get to give to God. We get to sow in the kingdom. We get to honor God with our time and our money. Like I told you, I used to write my dad's tithe checks. So cute, I saw an envelope come across my desk, and um, uh, Titus's daughter wrote his tithe check. It was big children's writing. Tithe envelope. I was so blessed. I'm like, yes. This is how we capture the world, amen? You get busy. For 120 years, he had to get his family involved for the work of the Lord. He raised them with the awareness that there's a lot of things that matter in life. And there are, aren't there? There are things that matter. But point number three this morning is this. There is nothing, there is a lot of things that matter, but nothing is more important than involving your family in the work of the Lord. Nothing more important. Amen? Nothing. A lot of things matter in life. Education, it matters. But what's the priority? Keep your kids in school, you know what I'm saying. But sports and activities that's pulling your children a hundred directions, but not making the priority of God's house of serving in God's house, of getting up on Sunday morning and making your house full of worship and getting your kids up and say, we get to go to church today. We're going to give our quarters in faith, kids, because we're going to give to Jesus for the little kids. There's something about creating that atmosphere in your home. Everyone gets excited. We couldn't wait to go to church on Sunday mornings because my mom and dad created that atmosphere. And listen, there were some times we did fight all the way to church. Not every morning's pretty. But you know what? Our butts were there. <laughs> I was crawling around under a blue pew somewhere. Didn't hurt me any. Amen. And especially the time that we're in today. Man, more than ever, your children. That's why I'm so excited about our remnant youth because they're going to get discipleship. 
and they're going to have hard questions answered through the word of God. And they're going to have ministry of freedom and deliverance. We've had four or five dreams of this whole campus taken over by teenagers. Praise the Lord. Let it happen in Jesus' name. Let it happen. Amen. Involve, prioritize your family somehow. Prioritize your life if it's not your children. Find out where can I serve, what, what place is needed right now. Maybe not forever, maybe just for six months till December. But you can fill a place so that we can make room for other families to come in and we can expand our foundation, amen, and do the purposes of God in our life. You never want to be limited because people can't catch the vision of serving in their local church. It shouldn't rest on just a handful of people. We should have so many volunteers, we have to turn you away. Say, you don't get to serve till next month, sorry. Wouldn't that be good? In the meantime, we're begging for people. Shouldn't be that way, should it? Our nursery should have all kinds of girls back there loving those babies. You'll be vetted, just so you know. I'm just going to precursor it. But you know what I'm saying. We should have so much loving on our children right now. Why? Because building this ark isn't really about me. If you're born again, mature in Christ, building this is not about us. It's about making room for those who need to come. A safe place. A place to hear the gospel. Amen. Let's look at this quickly. Ahab made sure they were in the house. Noah made sure they were working in the house. My last point this morning is about Moses. And my third point of my series is now you need to make sure they're hid. We need to hide the children. There are seasons where you have to hide them to keep them safe. The church should be a hiding place for our young people so that the world can't devour them. The world can have their way. And in, in Hebrews 11:23, it mentions the parents of Moses. Not Moses, but his parents were looked at by faith because they hid him for three months. And something that they said about Moses was he was no ordinary child. We've got to look at this generation and our own children that they're not just ordinary kids. They're not just, well, the next generation. No, they are not ordinary. We need to hide them for a season. We need to put protection around them. They knew something was special on Moses' life. They put him in a basket and they hid him so that he could get ready and prepared for the call of God in his life. And so many parents are afraid to hide their children. They're afraid to say no. They want to be best friends and they want to be liked and they want to be cool. And your children don't need that. They need you to hide them in a basket. You need to say no to some things until they're ready, until they're nurtured, until their little souls can handle it. To hide our children. They shouldn't have cell phones at certain ages. Unless it is like a flip and it only has mom and dad in it and auntie. Nothing else. Maya had it. She was embarrassed. She kept it in her backpack. Probably went in there and texted her mom. But her job was to safeguard her daughter. Hide her until she was ready to be thrown to the crocodiles. 
And we're just throwing our kids to the crocodiles. We'll survive. Go hang out wherever you want. Go to every football game. No accountability. No making sure there's parents there. I'm not here to throw judgment. I'm here to say we can't throw our children to the crocodiles without hiding them first and getting them ready. They shouldn't have computers and laptops in their rooms. It's too dangerous. It's dangerous for an adult. Imagine what a curious little child. Children are curious. And the world is pulling with that sexuality and that Persian perversion to confuse them. And we're like, here's your laptop, sweetie. Watch YouTube. And you think they're not going to go off YouTube somewhere? You think YouTube isn't popping up pornography? Because they are, just so you know. Your little cartoons are being shown with perversion in it questioning everything about their identity and who they are can't leave them alone for a second that is not the time it's like throwing your newborn in the pool and go well survive they don't know how to survive they're not ready for that yet my parents were old-fashioned thank God and, and I look back and they were actually old old-fashioned Old-fashioned. They were strict, but they had a responsibility to hide me. I wasn't no ordinary child. I'm, don't laugh at that, Kimmy. I know why she's laughing. It is true. Thank God there's only one of me. Listen, I'm not special. Your children are no ordinary children. You youth that may not have parents guiding you, you're not ordinary. The children coming, they're not ordinary. They're not ordinary. And we need to treat them as such. And we need to hide them and protect them. My parents did not treat my brother and I like we were ordinary. No, they, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. I had boundaries. They said, when you go to church, because we ran the church, you don't get on the ushers' laps. You don't hug the ushers at church because we don't know all the ushers' life. Well, I'm like, I don't get that. That was embarrassing as a kid. But guess what? I ran from the ushers. Why? Because you can't trust everybody even in God's house. You hide your children. You pray in the Holy Spirit over your kids. You say no to programs. You say no if the Holy Spirit says no football, no football. And they may not like you, but you're hiding them. You're like, God, i got to get them through one more year. Please, one more high school year, God. And then I'll be able to let them free. And you don't let them go until the Holy Spirit tells them they can go. And you may be the meanie, and you may be strict, and you'd be like, bring it on. Because I am not called to be your buddy. I am not called to be your friend. I am your mother and father, and I am responsible for your calling and your destiny and your purpose, and I don't care if everybody hates me and whatever. I'm going to love you to a place where five years from now, you're going to serve Jesus. And five years from now, you won't have scars that I didn't save you from because I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. And what's sad is so many young people that are coming don't have that. But we can be that for them. We can be the church that they want to be at. We have to create a place for this next generation that they are more celebrated in the church than they are the world. 
And if we aren't doing that, the world is going to tantalize them and they'll never want the house of God. But we need to create a place to celebrate them. Amen. I am out of time again. Oh. Part three, everybody. Oh, okay. Praise the Lord. All right. We'll end it there. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and come on up. Give the Lord a praise today. Everybody say, get in the house, serve in the house, hide in the house. That should be our new mission statement, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church, God. We thank you for, God, the season that you are releasing over all of our hearts. That, God, we are going to fight for this generation. We're going to fight for this city. God, we're going to do whatever it takes. I just pray, God, that you put in the hearts of every person where we are to serve, where we are to make a connection, Father God. I decree that there will not be one person left behind in the name of Jesus. But God, we will have such a unity to say, we're going to build this ark. Nothing's going to distract us. Nothing's going to pull us to the left or the right. But God, we have one intention, and that is to win the lost, win this generation, and bring them to a place of safety. God, we give you glory. I want to give everyone the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And maybe you're here today, and you are a prodigal son or daughter. And maybe you're here and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God wants that commitment from your heart today. And you know the Holy Spirit is the only one who can talk to your heart right now. I cannot say any eloquent words that can convict your heart. Only the Holy Spirit can talk to you. And I want you to ask God, God, is my heart right with you? Am I lost is there unforgiveness in my heart? Do I feel away from you? And if you hear that still small voice that says, yes, yes, you need to come back to me. You need to commit to me. Listen, you're not going to figure it all out. You're never going to get God just, well, I need to get more. No, the Bible says that you understand the things of the Spirit because you're born of the Spirit. So the first step of faith is saying yes to Jesus and everything else. God will show you. God will speak to you. But you can't wait. Till you get it all because your mind cannot comprehend spiritual things. Only your spirit can. So I'm going to ask us all to say this prayer together and repeat after me really loud like it's your first time. Make all of those around feel so celebrated because they're making a commitment today. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sins. I make you my Lord and I make you my Savior. I re recommit my life to you. Use me, call me, in the name of Jesus, amen. Really quick, if you said that prayer this morning, just lift your hands up all over this room. First time, second time. Look at all those hands. Praise God. Woo! Woo! All back there. Praise God. Yes. That's what it's all about, amen. I want to tell you, all of you that raised your hand, we have Celebrate Freedom kicking off in August. We just wrapped up Rooted. That's what that video was about. Sign up for Celebrate Freedom. Even if you don't have an addiction or a hang-up, there are things the Holy Spirit can show and reveal in your life. And also, you can become a leader in there once you've graduated the program. And I'd love to have 100 leaders, amen, leading people to find healing in Christ. So 
find out more information about that. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet, everybody. I'm going to release you in prayer. Stick around. Eat some hot dogs. Take some pictures. And let's just have a great day together. Father, we thank you. We release them with the love of the Lord, angels of protection around them, blood of Jesus around them. Send them back, God, rejoicing with shouts of joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. I love you. We'll see you in the courtyard.